Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Navajo sportscaster L.A. Williams brings rodeos, high school games, and even the Super Bowl to listeners, all in her native language. Now she's also announcing the NBA's Phoenix Suns games in Navajo. Her career on radio spans 30 years. We'll hear how she got started and talk about some of her favorite radio moments. L.A. Williams is a legend in Navajo broadcasting, and she joins us as a native in the spotlight. That's right after the news. For National Native News, I'm Daniel Montano in for Antonia Gonzalez. The state of Utah is suing the Biden administration for restoring the size of two national monuments reduced by former President Trump. In a joint statement, Utah's political leaders say the Grand Staircase Escalante and Bears Ears National Monuments are simply too big to be properly managed by the federal government and that they draw unmanageable numbers of visitors. They further allege Biden's move does not comply with the Antiquities Act, which states that land protected by the law should be confined to the smallest area necessary for the care and management of the land. The Hill reports groups allied with the administration argue presidents have historically used the law to protect important landscapes such as the Grand Canyon and that the monuments need to be preserved and protected from threats like oil and gas extraction. The state's attorney general filed the suit on behalf of Governor Spencer Cox and other state officials and the entire congressional delegation. Trump reduced the monuments by more than 2 million combined acres in 2017. Biden then restored the original boundaries a year into his presidency. He referenced tribal rights when restoring the areas, calling Bears Ears a place of healing that is revered and sacred to several tribes. Tribal gaming has rebounded substantially despite the continuing challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic, bringing in a record $39 billion of revenue in 2021. That's according to numbers from the National Indian Gaming Commission. That's up 13% over 2019 and 40% over 2020, marking a record single-year increase. In a press release, NIGC says all areas showed some positive growth since reopening after pandemic-related closures brought on the largest decrease of revenue on record. But the NIGC recognized the industry rebounded strongest on the coasts and that rural tribes are still struggling to get back on their feet. NIGC Chairman Sequoia Simmermeyer says the organization will continue to provide support to struggling tribes, offering training and applying regulatory lessons that have worked in other areas. Tribal gaming accounts for more than 40% of all gaming revenue nationally, which comes to $92 billion total. The Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa are celebrating the return of burial lands. Danielle Kading reports nearly 200 Ojibwe graves were removed from burial grounds on a strip of land in Lake Superior. The tribe settled on the sandbar stretching nearly three miles along Lake Superior as early as 400 years ago. By the mid-19th century, Chief Joseph Osagi was leading a small but thriving community there. But in 1918, Osagi descendant and Superior native Lori Madden says the community and the remains of her ancestors were wrongfully removed. They took 198 graves and they moved them by scow down the Namaji River to St. Francis Cemetery. 
The remains were reburied elsewhere to make way for U.S. Steel's plans to put up ore docks that were never built, and the removal was paid for with federal funds intended to benefit tribal members. Now the city of Superior has returned the tribe's sacred burial sites. Fond du Lac tribal chairman Kevin Dupie searched for words to capture the feeling of the moment. I just want to go in the woods. I think I should be at Wisconsin Point right now or St. Francis Cemetery telling him what we did. Now Dupie says their people can finally be left to rest. For National Native News, I'm Daniel Kading. The last member of an uncontacted indigenous group in Brazil has died. Authorities found his body in a hammock outside a straw hut. Officials say it appears he died of natural causes. The BBC reports the man's name is not known, but outsiders refer to him as the man of the hole because he was known to dig large holes to hide in or to capture animals. He had not been contacted by outsiders for nearly three decades, but officials monitored his whereabouts for his own safety. He was the last of a group whose other six remaining members were killed in 1995, presumably by ranchers, miners, or loggers wanting to expand their land. For National Native News, I'm Daniel Montano. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. L.A. Williams is broadcasting upcoming Phoenix Suns games in Navajo. She's a veteran sportscaster who has announced everything from basketball and rodeos to the Super Bowl in her native language. Williams did her first Suns game nearly 30 years ago when Charles Barkley and the Suns faced off against the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls. Now she returns as superstars Devin Booker and Chris Paul may make it to the finals once again and bring home the championship trophy. Today on our show, L.A. Williams joins us as we talk with her about her favorite radio moments, sports events, and how she continues to preserve and spread awareness of her language on the airwaves. We also want to hear from you. Have you listened to one of L.A.'s sportscasts? Are you an L.A. Williams fan? What native voices bring information where you are? We want to hear from you. Give us a call and join our conversation, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Or you can leave a comment at our social media pages. Our handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. Well, folks, we've got her on the show today. On the line in Salie, Arizona, is the one and only L.A. Williams, sportscaster and radio manager at KXWR 92.1 FM. She is Danae. L.A., we met for the first time earlier this summer in Ignacio, Colorado, and right away I knew I wanted to bring you on the show, learn more about your legendary career Thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning there, Sean, and thank you so much for the warm welcome. Uh, it's an honor, actually, to be on uh, your show with Native American Calling, uh, that we have a lot of people worldwide that uh, like to know behind the scene of what it takes to be a broadcaster uh, and a Native American Navajo broadcaster from uh, Navajo land, 
and being out here in Salem, Arizona, we're about a good an hour away north of Wonder Rock, Arizona. If you're coming from Gallup, New Mexico, about an hour and 45 minutes and near the Four Corners. So we are here with our Dene College, four-year institution at the Nation's College, and we have hit record-breaking of students attending. I oversee the radio station management operation programming overall I do have students that work for me, internship and getting brushed up for the future of what's in store for them. And thank you so much, and good morning, everyone. Well, Ellie, you wear a lot of hats. There you are working there at the station at the college. Uh, you work with a lot of young people, help them get their start in broadcasting. And, of course, you're probably best known for your play-by-play broadcast of the NBA Phoenix Suns. Do you remember that very first broadcast you did with the Suns back in 1993? Yes, I do. And that's 30 years ago, the year 1993 of carrying the Phoenix Suns. And it kind of comes back to the high school games and being at the state tournament in the Valley of the Sun, Phoenix, when it used to be America West Arena. A good friend of mine who graduated, we both had attended Fort Lewis College in Durango, and he was working under the marketing there for the Phoenix Suns. And uh, a great a legendary and I were broadcasting it. We caught eyes, and he came over bringing the legend, a play-by-play announcer for the Phoenix Suns, uh, Mr. Al McCoy. And he came over and said, is it possible to do the Phoenix Suns? And automatically we said, yes, it can be done. And so that's how it came about. And uh, broadcasting from high school uh, to the NBA and making it very colorful because in the Navajo language, uh, you have to be very descriptive, and one way of inbounding the ball or how they're bouncing the ball uh, can be said uh, three to five different ways in the Navajo language. And a lot of it's their expression, their excitement. So all that played a huge role. And uh, so that's where it really picked up, and we uh, led them all the way to the championship when Phoenix Suns played uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls all the way to Game 7, and that buzzer beater there uh, or John Stockton. I was it? No, it's uh, it's not John Stockton because he paid, played for the Utah Jazz. But right off a three pointer, had won the Bulls the game, and Phoenix Suns still waiting for a championship. Now, LA, did you get a chance to meet some of those legends back then, Jordan, and, and some of those premier Suns players of the of the era? Well, the Phoenix Suns, yes, uh, with uh, Charles Barkley, a very good friend uh, to this day of how we talked about what basketball is and always put me on the line in the locker room by saying, Ellie Williams, ask me the first question. And I, I would look right at him and say, Charles, everybody wants to be just like you. What are you going to do about it? You know, you have to break the ice and uh, <laughs> I say something good. So, you know, that was always breaking the ice at the conclusion of the game. And of course, uh, KJ, Kevin Johnson, and well, uh, Mr. Paul Westfall was the head basketball coach. And the other uh, side of the coin of the NBA, I had the opportunity to interview the late Kobe Bryant when he came into the uh, uh, NBA basketball career and uh, him being young at the time and coming overseas. And uh, it was amazing how, you know, he was, he already seen his future. He was ready for it and he had the hype and, uh, you know, a great guy I had a chance to meet uh, in the NBA as well. Kobe Bryant, Charles Barkley, oh my gosh, these are just total legends in the sport of basketball. And, you know, L.A., 
you have like the coolest name ever for broadcasting, L.A. Williams. That's the best broadcasting name ever. Have you always gone by L.A.? Well, as a little toddler, pretty much, I was introduced into the sport of rodeo at a young age. And uh, my father said, that's a great name. That's a rodeo name, L.A. Williams. Uh, so it stuck here for the past, uh, you know, 50 years or uh, 30 years in broadcasting now. Now, you've been a rodeo athlete, you've been a basketball player, um, and you also announce rodeo as well, right? That's the sport I love. Uh, the upcoming Navajo Nation Fair, I will be in the final performance on horseback of broadcasting the final showdown of the upcoming Navajo Nation Fair. And what are the dates on that event? Uh, what's that again? The dates on that, that fair? That oh, that'll be on uh, September 12th, on a Sunday. Let's double-check that. But uh, that, uh, you know, rodeo is my game. It's uh, my first love of sport, of what it is. So uh, that Sunday of September 11th, and uh, I'll be able to, to give uh, some of the play-by-play and uh, let the viewers, the audience know what to look out for and who are the competitors, where they're coming from, and you know, just know, going behind the scene and let our people know what we're about in the sport of rodeo of making it uh, very exciting for them. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. In L.A., what events did you compete at as a rodeo athlete? Well, uh, back in my days, uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, barrel racing, that was pretty much the only sport uh, for the female in, until uh, the early 90s, the breakaway roping started up, and my first rodeo at the Arizona State Fair, winning that was the highlight. And then it went right into the women's team roping. And today, fast forward, uh, what, 30 years later, those are big-time events for the females uh, of uh, who they are and a lot of money that's up for grabs. And now you see them at the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas come uh, December and one of, that was one of the big things I've seen when I started my career of uh, the equal rights of male, female, boy, girl, male, female, uh, that one day we will be up there with the boys, with the men. And that's where we're at today of what uh, sports is. We've seen a lot of great uh, collegiate level of athletes from the Navajo Nation of females uh, that really highlight it. Uh, one I can tell you about, Rinaldi Vicente. And she was one of our first to play in the WNBA Phoenix Mercury uh, in the inaugural season when she played uh, under uh, Cheryl Miller. And I picked up all the games because I had to be part of it because of Cheryl Miller being the head coach. In L.A., do you remember Gwen Hobbs? Oh, yes, Gwen Hobbs. And uh, she had a showcase uh, on ESPN. She played uh, for UNLV and back uh, before then high school for uh, the academy in Farmington. And that one play she was really highlighted for uh, playing basketball, stealing the ball one end of the basketball court and one bounce pass to the other end and for a shot on the other side to get ahead in the game. And I remember flying out there with our good chairman back then, Mr. Peterson Zaw, and broadcasting her game there in Las Vegas. Well, that's my era because I, I really remember when, when Gwen was there at UNLV, and those were some exciting years to watch uh, women's basketball for sure. And uh, L.A., you also call games for the Phoenix Mercury, right, at the WNBA? Yes, from the inaugural season when I heard that uh, Cheryl Miller uh, 
was the head coach and it's like I know everything about Cheryl. I read everything about Cheryl. I've seen her in the highlights. I've seen the information about how she graduated from USC and lights, camera, Showtime, Cheryl Miller. And I've interviewed her from the beginning. And during our interview, interview, she asked me three times, we've met before. I know we've met in Chicago. We've met in Los Angeles. We've met in New York. I was like, no, Cheryl, we've never met. And so right off after each game, she came right to the sideline, gave me an interview. So that was probably the best moment. Cheryl Miller, L.A. Williams. Folks, we are speaking now with L.A. Williams, the legendary Navajo sports broadcaster. She's called it all. NBA's Phoenix Suns, the WNBA Phoenix Mercury. She's called high school games. She's even called junior high games. She's called rodeo. And she's been an athlete herself. She's been on the hard court. She's had her share of 30-point games. She was a barrel racing rodeo champ. She's done it all, and she's on our show. If you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if you just want to give a shout-out to L.A. Williams, once again, that is the coolest name in broadcasting, L.A. Williams. What are you waiting for? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. I'll say it again, 1-800-996-2848. Of course, you can always connect with us by social media as well. Our handle at Twitter, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Really want to hear from our guest today, and we're going to talk more with L.A. Williams, learn more about her background in broadcasting, learn more about what it takes to call NBA games, high school games, junior high games. We're going to get all the scoop here from L.A. Williams. Coming back right after the break, folks, please stay with us. Volcanic eruptions across the globe are a reminder of the volatile nature of Earth's seismic activity. Volcanoes, both active and dormant, are also important touchstones for many tribes. We'll hear about the cultural and environmental power of volcanoes for indigenous people. That's on the next Native America Calling. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strongheart's Native Helpline is a no-charge, 24-7, confidential and anonymous domestic, dating, and sexual violence helpline for Native Americans. Help is available by calling 1-844-7-NATIVE or by clicking on the chat icon on strongheartshelpline.org. This program is supported by Strongheart's Native Helpline. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. L.A. Williams is joining us from Salie, Arizona. She's a legend in Navajo broadcasting. We're talking to her about her career, where she's covered small-town sports events, and now the Phoenix Suns games. But we also want to hear from you. Do you listen to L.A.'s broadcasts? Is there something you'd like to ask her? Call us, 1-800-996-2848. It's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also email us, comments at nativeamericacalling.com. L.A., let's go back to the beginning. Tell us how you first got started broadcasting sports. That's a great question. Being in college uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, I've uh, pretty much uh, where my career started only because uh, the head basketball coach was in one of my class, uh, which was um, 
my freshman composition and because his wife uh, was the instructor and I always made my my reports uh, my live uh, lectures or when I, uh, just my reports uh, very colorful exciting you know getting people into my stories and uh, that he had asked me have you ever thought about uh, arena announcing and I said no I said I'd love to and so he had hired me to uh, give the uh, arena announcing so that's where it started and uh, so from there I signed on with the local uh, uh, radio station there on campus and, uh, and then uh, the radio station in Winter Rock KTNN opened up in 1986 1986 so when I came back and uh, that there was a position that was open uh, for the uh, broadcasting uh, sports and uh, that in bold letters it had must speak the Navajo language and so I brushed up on my language of going uh, to different communities uh, and picking up grandparents that are walking walking along the road uh, so I can brush up on my Navajo and so that's how I started my career and uh, that uh, it, it was amazing and so to this day it really gave me something you know I always refer back to our elders when uh, my Nolly man, my grandfather was a medicine man and how he had prayed into the future and how we had some long conversations and we talked and sang. And I think that played a role into the future when he prayed for me this far, 50 years ahead. And now, you know, that's who I am. That's what I'm made of. That's uh, uh, who I am as Ellie Williams uh, being a sportscaster because it was spoken for. Now, Ellie, were you raised by your grandparents? No, my my parents, uh, my father from White Cone, Arizona, my mother from Lake Valley, New Mexico. Uh, they've met in uh, Salt Lake City when it, they had the uh, American. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the school they went to, uh, but they want they met there, and uh, so we went back out uh, as uh, youngsters, maybe like five or six years of age, and. Uh, I love being at my grandparents uh, only because they had horses, cattle, sheep, and, uh, you know, it's all full of action. I think that's how I was driven into what rodeo is. And, uh, you know, sports was something huge, uh, being young. Now, L.A., is it true that you went to high school with the Milwaukee Bucks head coach? <laughs> yes, uh, Mr. <laughs> Butenhoser, uh who was a freshman when I was a senior, and how I've seen him develop. He was all, he was already playing at a at a collegiate level in high school. His father was the athletic director, and he was like a gym rat. Where you know he was there, and he he really you know he was a point guard and made our team look good and up t uh, tempo because in Holbrook from the north side of the reservation, a lot of our our athletes uh, who attend. Holbrook High School, you know, they love playing up-tempo basketball. Uh, so uh, Mr. Budenhoser was on the team. And uh, and next thing you know, fast forward, you know, I had a chance to interview him when I was down in Phoenix at the uh, America West Arena when the Suns played at the Spurs. And uh, he was on board uh, with Popovich on the sideline. And uh, years later, next thing you know, he was the head coach uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, they met up during the pandemic, and they played in the bubble. They beat uh, the Phoenix Suns, and they won the championship. Now, I, I think that was in Holbrook. Right? We went to high school. Now, does, uh, does he still represent Holbrook area and Navajo Nation? Why well, he is? He's been uh, out maybe once or twice out of the year. Very busy out in the national uh, sporting events, and his uh, parents are still in Holbrook. 
and uh, that they named the basketball court uh, under his uh, father's name. And as when he came back on, he was given the coach of the year a few years ago when he came out and donated money to the uh, school and that, you know, we're bordering school. And for what he's done, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, they appreciate it. L.A., Navajo listeners describe your broadcast as adding another dimension to the games that aren't heard in an English-speaking broadcast. Can you describe the extra meaning that they're referring to? I guess pretty much the play-by-play coverage, uh, how I look at it, it's like storytelling. I put myself uh, on the floor with the players and when they're gathering for a timeout. Uh, and if you know the game, and uh, you can actually speak on behalf of the team, the players, and uh, what the audience would like to see. Uh, but uh, just broadcasting, as I mentioned, it can be said three different ways of how uh, Booker is uh, dribbling the ball, is he running up court, his expression. So all that is detail. And I think uh, just making it colorful makes a, a big difference of broadcasting what basketball is today. Now, there are some specific phrases or terms that you that you speak in Navajo that really resonate with your listeners? I think most of that is giving the, the Navajo names to the players, uh, like uh, Booker Bahajoni. You know, he's a cheerful guy, always outgoing. Uh, <laughs> then you have uh, CP3. Uh, who is the Natani? He's the leader. He's the older, oldest player and the leadership you see on the court. Uh, so uh, just giving them the of how they're described in our ways, like a warrior on the Navajo side, uh, which I gave to one of the players. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. But you have Navajo nicknames for a lot of these players, then. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And do any of them know these nicknames? If you if you talked to any of them personally and said, "Hey, I've got a name for you in Navajo," it was shared with them. This past uh, playoffs, it was different because uh, media wasn't really uh, invited into the locker room, um, so it was kind of hard to touch base just at a distance. But uh, our local network in Phoenix had shared a lot with the uh, players, and uh, they were excited. You know, just some of the feedback I've heard. Uh, you know, that, you know, they appreciate it and uh, uh, how a lot of the networks use their names of uh, and how it was described. And I think, you know, it played its own role in the Navajo language. Mm. Well, L.A., we've already got a caller on the line. This is Tracker listening in Red Shirt, South Dakota, listening on Keeley Radio. Tracker, you're on Native America Calling. Hello. Hi, L.A. It's really good to meet you. I think I had um, a game you called in Phoenix in the 90s. But uh, more than that, I just wanted to ask you, you know, I'm a journalist as well. And I remember the times in the early 90s when journalists, women were not even um, recognized, even at powwows or, you know, events. So I really commend you for that. And also want to know about your now that women journalists are leading, have leading roles also in podcasts, I just wanted to know what association that you are a part of. L.A., feel free to respond. Associations, sure. journalist associations. Okay. Well, um, there, we've had some of our uh, females uh, back from the 80s, very few, and uh, having um, Robin Roberts, you know, she was probably one of the first uh, to be on the network of ESPN. And I, I've tried 
podcasting, uh, but it, you know it's very time consuming. You got to spend a lot of time on it, so I, I tried to balance that. But as far as network, I'm more on the media broadcasting side of uh, and handful of uh, radio broadcasters that I work with, and they'll call me up and I'll uh, uh, give a comment on certain uh, players or teams. Uh, but uh, we. But as far as uh, who I represent, is pretty much uh, overall of uh, who we have in the four corners of uh, the Napa Nation. Ellie, thanks for answering that, that question. And I want to ask you um, about the future of radio on the Navajo Nation because, you know, we hear that a lot of Native America calling, oh, you know, people are listening to things on the Internet. They're not using as radio so much. It's kind of a, an outdated format. What's your response to that? You know, I agree with that only because of this pandemic for the past two years has changed the world, has changed uh, the life of uh, uh, worldwide people. And uh, this is the source into the future. And 10 years ago, we we were outdated and the economy was running ahead of us and uh, technology was running ahead. The younger generations were the ones that kept up. So when this pandemic hit, everyone went online. And social media really stood and just uh, rise. And I, I think that was our number one source of social media. And radio still plays a, a role depending on how your format is. Uh, here at the college, uh, we have a lot of our elders that do listen in the local area. We are in a remote area. So I was one of the frontline employees through radio where I translated what this virus was, where it's coming from, letting our elders know that they need to get their essentials, that they shouldn't be traveling, they shouldn't, we had curfew, all that. And so that's local. And on top of that, I had a chance to have all these other Native American tribes call in and tell their stories from 100 years ago of what they've been through. And so that was really highlighted. And a couple of the local of our medicine men that actually call and said, thank you for sharing this because we're going through this hardship. We need those stories to be told. And that now social media, you know, that's everything that's life today. And I totally agree with that podcasting to social media and radio. Yes, uh, there are areas uh, that still listen to radio. They uh, public radio and uh, what we have uh, featured here on Native American Calling. Uh, you know, these are real good behind-the-scenes stories that people really enjoy. Elliot, I once heard you say that um, a person that really inspired you to, to get into radio and do your games in radio what, was a, a Navajo man, an elder, and, and if I'm not mistaken, he was blind. Yes. This gentleman uh, was uh, brought to a basketball game my very first year when I jumped on board uh, giving the, the sideline play-by-play -play, uh, and uh, that he sat by me uh, to my right side and we extended his uh, his headphones uh, to where he can uh, sit and listen. And he didn't break a smile. He didn't uh, then react into the few, first few games. So it, it bothered me. It worried me. So I did my homework and I tried to make it colorful and I started uh, uh, laying out the whole court for him, directions, uh, and made it very descriptive to where he can see it on the radio. By the end of that season, uh, boy, was he jumping up and down and enjoying the game when it went into the state playoffs. And, uh, you know, that was my highlights of uh, what broadcast was for a gentleman who was blind. And the next season, uh, 
came up and I showed up at the game and I kept looking over and he never, he didn't come back for two to three games. And a family came up and told me that he had died and that he was a diabetic. And, uh, you know, it just put a dagger in me and, uh, and I, I just closed my eyes and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to live for him and uh, for him to show me what radio and broadcast is. And so today broadcasting uh, is for people on radio that can't make it to the game because they're elders, they're bedridden, they're sick, they can't drive, all these, you know, so uh, that played a huge role in something that I, w- I learned from. And now he probably looks upon us saying this is the best thing that's uh, radio doing uh, for people who can't be at the game. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Yeah, I bet he certainly is. And and Ella, you talk a lot about about how much your broadcasts mean to elderly folk. And and what about people that are, are maybe learning Navajo for the first time or want to improve their skills? Do you think listening to your broadcasts are a way to do that? I think so, because uh, in the national side of broadcasting the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, you're saying going to the free throw line uh, what thirty times or so. So the more you say "ajik" is like a free where they're shooting from they're shooting the ball so that being said and then making that more descriptive of being repetitive about the game and a lot of them actually do catch on and here at the college we have students that are learning to read and write the Navajo language and they bring in their stories and read it on the radio and they get extra credit so uh that's that's a big highlight, and it's good to see the younger generation. We have our grant schools that are learning reading and writing the Navajo language. Uh, in high school level, of course, we have uh, down the road Rock Point School from uh, the toddlers all the way uh, to graduates. They're reading and writing the Navajo language. It's amazing. It's it's still here. Now it's uh, being brought up uh, more, so uh, I think a lot, a lot of the kids today are learning online. You can catch it on social media. Our grandparents are the ones that are also translating the reading and writing the Navajo language as well. Now there at the college, L.A., do you work with or mentor any young Native broadcasters? We have the younger students that come from the local area and how we, you know, my my coaching and teaching is enunciating and getting the words out right. Uh, if you're saying uh, like "beso" is money, rather than saying "beso," you know the way they say it, but you have to get them to enunciate right of the wording of how they're going to say it. And uh, so, just it's every day uh, these kids that are learning. You never know in the future, you know, they'll be the ones uh, reading at a national level of uh, what the Navajo language is all about. Now, Ellie, what is that like there uh, down in Phoenix and that big arena, these big, big NBA games, WNBA games? You're up there in the press box with all these other sportscasters, reporters. Um, How do they treat you up there in the box? They got a lot of respect, and when they hear I'm there for the past 30 years, the more interest grows on how it came about. And so being at, back at the playoffs, uh, there was a handful of them, maybe 20 reporters that wanted an interview uh, at one time. And my co-announcer, Tanya McCabe, and I was telling her, just line them up. I'll do the interviews. I'm not turning not one broadcaster down. 
only because, you know, I've, the 30 years I've been involved, I may never do it again. And so I was open to it. They need to hear the stories. Uh, so uh, that's how the whole this whole broadcast uh, in the past year came about of uh, being open to let them know what we're about, what we've been through, and uh, what direction we're going. And the Navajo language, we're not going anywhere because it's still here on Earth. Still here, the Navajo language, not going anywhere. You heard it from L.A. Williams. She's on our show. She's our guest. She's our only guest. This is our Native in the Spotlight series, and we really want you folks to call in. Let us know what you think, 1-800-996-2848. I also want to let you know we have a new Native in the Spotlight special features page on our website. So if you check out NativeAmericaCalling.com, you can go to that page and learn all about our Natives in the Spotlight. And, of course, today that person is L.A. Williams, the legendary broadcaster, sportscaster of the Navajo Nation. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. If you want to give a shout-out to L.A., we're back right after this short break. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free, confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. L.A. Williams is a veteran sportscaster who brings the Navajo language to the airwaves. Still time to join this conversation, 1-800-996-2848. L.A., can you maybe give us a sample of one of your Navajo sportscasts? Sure. Ela-Manesha-Ekeha-Ali-Dai-Snot-Sai-Tanebe-Kepa-Kago-Adon-Lay-Nahokosho-Hazi-Yos-Ingi-Jo-Nikirad-Ne-Aj-Bedan-
sports fans are listening, uh, so I, I got to give them a good presentation of what uh, Navajo broadcast is uh, on the NBA basketball court, or it could be high school, uh, which is huge uh, until months later and people bring it up and uh, and it amazes me that they were actually listening, and it, it puts a lot of uh, good life into me and gives me a lot of blessing of how people really enjoyed listening to every game that came over the airwaves. Well, Lily, let's talk a little bit more about the high school game because that's a, a big part of what you do. You call high school games. About how many games a year at the high school level do you announce? Well, in the last, uh, right before from the pandemic, jumping over uh, this past season was kind of limited, but I carry all four corners of uh, basketball. You got Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah, and Arizona, New Mexico being the biggest. And I, I hit maybe by the 180, 125, 200, about 200 games because uh, I can uh, carry like three games a week. You double that at six games and going into the weekend, uh, maybe back-to-back tournaments, uh, which is huge. So it's ongoing and you get to know a lot of the players, the student athletes and where they're headed into the postseason. So I do my homework and it really work. It helps out. LA, you are going nonstop. What's the largest number of games you've ever called in a single day? <laughs> Probably like maybe nine or t- nine or 10 games. <laughs> do you ever lose your voice calling that many games? Oh, if you have that, uh, a lot of what helps is uh, hot tea with uh, with honey. That really helps, and then just maintaining and uh, keeping all the questions away from fans that are walking up and having the security standing there. If I can coast it, I, I'm pretty good. I, I can actually go from eight o'clock in the morning, the last game at ten o'clock that evening. Well, folks, you're here to hear live. Yeah, <laughs> here on Native America calling. La Williams suggests. Some hot tea with honey to take care of that voice if you start to lose it there by calling, by just talking too much or broadcasting too many games. And if you've got a question or a comment, L.A. Williams, we've got her on the line, 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. L.A., um, what do you like more, the, the big high-profile NBA games, WNBA games, or the Navajo high school games? Oh, they're all at the same level, but I did uh, pick up something along the way of being an auctioneer because my father told me that I talked so fast and I paid my way to Mankato, Minnesota and became a certified auctioneer. And so that was one of the big highlights uh, of doing something on the side uh, of being an auctioneer. How long did that training take place? Or how long did it take in Mankato, <laughs> Illinois to get that license? Uh, or... About two and, a half, two, two and a half weeks or so. And back here in the state of Arizona, Navajo Nation, auctioneer is not a being an auctioneer is not a big thing, but having your father going to the auctioneer every week, inviting all his friends from all four corner state and how he sold, I sold one of his horses. Uh, and so that was a big highlight coming back and it paid off of uh, making that trip uh, of being uh, one of the best. I was given the best female uh, auctioneer. We have all the Canadians uh, that came out and uh, I sold them a beautiful uh, uh, turquoise necklace uh, that I bought from a local uh, business, and I sold it there for a good a pretty penny I sold it for. <laughs> well, L.A., can you give us a sample of your your auctioning skills? 
Well, we got a beautiful uh, turquoise necklace here that'll take you into the future for your travel. You'll be identified by the creator. Opening bid there at 100. Opening bid at 100 out 25. 25, 125, <laughs> 50, 50, 75, 75. Bid out 175, 75, $200. Bit, bit, over here now, 225. Bid at 225, 225, 275. Bit, 275, $300 sold. Oh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. LA, that is awesome. <laughs> L.A., uh, another highlight of your career, you uh, announced at the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City. Oh, that was huge. And that was the Winter Olympics. Uh, it started on Navajo Nation over the gateway to beautiful Monument Valley Tribal Park and how Billy Mills, uh, the year 19, what year was it? You know, we, it's supposed to have been fresh. 1962, 64, the 10,000-meter Lakota winner in the 10,000 meters. But he was, did the honor. He ran a two and a half to three miles with the torch. And that torch was lit, and we took the, the torch all the way into Salt Lake City right at the start of the opening ceremony. And so we went right inside, and all the tribes representing uh, within the Four Corners or from the state of Utah they all, each one of them prayed for two minutes each uh, in their native language, and that was amazing. And I had a chance to meet all uh, these individuals from other country that participated in the Winter Olympics and the bomb sledders. You know, they were very interested. We had the Navajo, uh, we had our Navajo setup. It was called the Navajo Village. We had our two Hogans, the female Hogan, the male fe Ho Hogan, and uh, our parks recreation were set up. And people are very interested in the stories of the Navajo and how they gave out these medallions. Uh, the uh, Olympians were coming in and from all parts of the world. And uh, that was a huge highlight that I was part of uh, uh, for the Winter Olympics, uh, the year 2022. No, I'm sorry, 2002. 2002 Salt Lake yes. Winter Olympics and and Billy Mills he won the 10,000 meter that was the Tokyo Olympics in 1964. Yes, <laughs> yes you got it. That's right. <laughs> LA growing up, did you ever think that you would become such a high profile figure among your people? Oh no, no. Uh, like I said, you know, something's pray your prayers are answered and it and that it's spoken in the future. And my siblings thought I siblings thought I would be a truck driver because we are in a remote area. I was the the driver getting to the bus stop of five six of us, and I I was the one driving through the snow through the mud. And they thought I would be a truck driver, but it didn't happen that way. <laughs> you traded in the truck for the the rodeo arena and the basketball court. Just amazing and. L.A., um, you, you were quite a, an athlete in your day, rodeo, hardcore. Do you ever miss being a player? Well, at the age I'm at, I think uh, I, I benefit. I love the game of uh, what there is that was given to me and uh, that I'll give tips uh, to the younger generation of how they can be better or, uh, you know, how they can carry out to be a better person. Uh, uh, and so, you know, being in the 50 club now, Doing it again, you know, I, I got to be careful because, you know, the sport of rodeo is very demanding and uh, very physical. The competition is huge in the sport of rodeo today. 
the younger generation at the, in the teen levels, the collegiate levels, uh, are highlighting uh, an Indian country, uh, not just the Navajo Nation. We have a lot of our tribes on the northern side of uh, our Canadians, along with uh, our Blackfeet tribe, uh, uh, all parts of Navajo, uh, Native American uh, tribes that, that take it the sport of basketball and rodeo, which almost just, it's almost at the same level because we just finished up uh, over 200 uh, basketball teams that gathered in the, they called it Native American Basketball Association in Phoenix. So the Northern Tribes uh, to the Navajo Nation uh, that took part in that. But I, I, I think I enjoyed every bit of it, and I, I'm still going to live it into the future and seeing these uh, second, third generation uh, really prevailing and making the sport what it is today. We've got another caller on the line, Ray, listening in Shiprock. Ray, hello. Yeah, hello. Thank you. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call. I just had a quick question um, for L.A. Williams. From what I understand, that she wants to promote the, the use of Navajo language uh, among the young people, especially, which is good. And um, my question is, uh, well, so why not um, promote the Navajo language among young people more by involving the like college students or the high school students even if they could um be part of um having them uh on the air you know like uh, they could keep statistics and then and maybe even make comments on the air help them build their self-confidence and their you know get the experience so uh, That'd be really good. Aggressively do it with the through the college and starting this this year would be really good. So have they ever thought about doing that or something like that? That was my question. Thank you. Okay, thanks for the call, Ray. La, well, thank please. you so much. Yes, Ray. I think a lot of it uh, it was just uh, being at that level of the hearing it from the younger generation of speaking the Navajo language uh, because we do have schools in our surrounding area that do read and write the Navajo language. I'm glad you brought that up because it seems like it has to be asked or be told. And then finally you think, you know what, let's run with it. Let's do something about it. And I'm glad that was brought up to our uh, instructors, to our students who can now read and write, need to go back into the classroom. I have them on the radio locally here, and they can also get online. But I'm glad that was brought up because we do need to actually perform this and go into the future and get more of our younger generation. I was part of the Chinle Central Fair over the weekend. There was at least five little toddlers. I mean, these are kids that are kindergarten or first grade, second graders, and they were so fluent in the Navajo language, and I could totally understand where they're coming from of saying their clan and all the way to their parents, grandparents, and where they're from, and that they're singing songs. And I think that was very motivation and that I'm hoping that not just myself, but a lot of other people have picked up to say, you know what, it's, it's time. We say it's new beginning, it's new world. Let's really, you know, let's do something for these younger generation. So thank you so much for adding that on. L.A., who have been some of your mentors that have helped you improve your broadcasting? I'd say Al McCoy, the voice of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I've learned everything uh, pretty much uh, just by his side uh, when I uh, started broadcasting uh, of uh, how he presented the format, the interviews. A lot of it was pre-interviews and 
knowing the players and the right questions to ask. And uh, so I myself didn't try to be like Al McCoy or talk like Al McCoy. I brought it back on my own level of my style of uh, how I will present to make it easier for uh, these viewers or audience to approach me. And so that's how it led into that. Of course, there was uh, uh, Robin Roberts. Uh, with, she was with ESPN, now with uh, Good Morning America, ABC Network. And there are locals uh, uh, that are Navajo speaking. There were officials uh, that I've learned a lot, and uh, they shared a lot of terms with me in the Navajo language. Uh, so it, it's, it's still ongoing with uh, uh, individuals that can come up and say, you know, you're saying this in this way, but maybe you should say it like this. Uh, but it goes back to my grandparents uh, teaching the language uh, of how my grandfather had taught me the language. Uh, and there are different parts of the Navajo uh, areas, uh, sites that say it different of saying like coffee. We say a and then the Eastern Agency will say kohe. And so I respect that, but I go back to saying this is what I learned from my grandparents is how I speak today in the Navajo language. Mm, yeah, interesting to note, the Navajo language, as I understand it, uh, differences between right the Western and the Eastern Navajos, New yes. Mexico, Arizona side. L.A., I know our listeners are really enjoying this show, and if they want to learn more about you, follow you, do you so, do you do social media? Yeah, I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, pretty much. Uh, I have the L.A. Williams, uh, the fan club, and then the regular side. Uh, it's a little different uh, than how it should be presented if it were to be uh, media-related. And uh, so being at the college, I get more people that come on uh, by either calling or uh, my phone is uh, public to the people to respond at a uh, 928-313-5002 to text. So I get a lot of those uh, from different tribes of uh, letting me know what's going on. So uh, uh, I'm in the loop with a lot of things that happen uh, throughout Indian country. And when will you start getting ready for basketball season? Well, right now it's uh, we're in the the fall season of uh, volleyball, basketball, uh, uh, basketball's year-round. Uh, basketball, you see in the summer, now they're in cross-country conditioning. And so uh, once November comes around, that'll be, boom, the highlights. You know, by that time, I'll pretty much highlight to see who the team to beat and who the players to look out for. Well, folks, we have now reached the end of our show, unfortunately, but I would very much like to thank the legendary L.A. Williams for a fun and inspiring hour, the voice of Navajo sports. Join us tomorrow. We talk about the environmental effects of volcanoes and their cultural ties. I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. Early voting has started, but with possible changes in district lines and state election laws, it's more important than ever to know how, when, and where to vote. That's why AARP created state-specific election guides where you can find up-to-date information about how to register, where to vote, the rules for early voting, and key deadlines. You don't have to let uncertainty about the election process keep you from voting. Learn more at aarp.org slash election guides. AARP supports this show. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, 
protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Ameren's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Ameren.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.